Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston. Drilling Deep is the podcast here at the family of Freightcasts at Freightways, where we talk about trucking, but we also talk about oil and diesel, both of them so necessary to make those trucks move. We're joined today by Ben Stanley. He is the automotive research leader for the IBM Institute for Business Value. That institute recently completed an update on its ongoing five-year look at the future of trucking. It's called Trucking 2030, and he'll be here in a minute to talk about its findings. Do you remember anything about February 2010? It was a long time ago, right? The weather probably stunk if you were up in the north. And why does any of that matter here in March 2021? Because the amount of ultra-low sulfur diesel that came out of U.S. refineries last week was at a level that hadn't been that low since February 2010. The nation's refineries produced about 2.74 million barrels per day of ultra-low sulfur diesel last week. Right before the Texas refining sector got slammed with the cold snap, they produced about 4.3 to 4.4 million barrels per day of ULSD, as it's known. A week later, that was down to about 3.3 million barrels a day, and then it dropped another 500,000 to 600,000 barrels per day to get to that most recent level. As I said, had not been seen since February 2010. The good news from the perspective of diesel consumers is that the report last week is likely to be the low point. Inventories of ULSD are at about their lowest level in 10 months, but they're actually right about the five-year average for this time of the year, so they are not all that tight by historical standards. What is concerning is just how fast refineries are going to come back. One of the reasons I said we're not likely to see a number that low again is because there are refineries that are coming back into operation down there. They're not, I don't think that any of them are full yet, no reports yet. As I record this, though, operations have started at many plants. It isn't a stretch to say pretty much the entire Texas Gulf Coast refining sector shut down as a result of the cold snap. These plants are not designed for that sort of weather. That doesn't mean that refineries in general can't run in those sorts of conditions. It's just a question of how prepared they are for them. There are refineries in the most northern reaches of Alberta. There are refineries in Norway. You get the picture. There's a refinery in North Pole, Alaska. There is a town in Alaska called North Pole, and there is a refinery there. Anyway, you get the picture. Refineries can run in the cold, but they have to be ready for them. The Texas refiners weren't. But from the perspective of buyers, there are comforting signs that we may avoid a price spike. The wholesale price of diesel in Houston on Thursday of this week was a little more than $2.01 a gallon. On February 26, it was 2.077 cents per gallon, so that's down more than six cents. The commodity price on the CME for ultra-low sulfur diesel actually rose about four cents during that time. So what that means is it's a sign that the Gulf Coast market is not getting squeezed. And given how important the Gulf Coast is to the broader market, a squeeze down there would certainly make its way through the rest of the country, at least to the markets east of the Rockies. This does not mean that the upward movement in oil prices has come to an end. As I mentioned, the CME price rose this week, but right at about the same pace as crude. And crude on Thursday, that's uh, March 4th, got a big boost when the OPEC Plus group decided to keep its production unchanged. Note that all the models out there, all the supply-demand models going forward, show a significant deficit now, actually, but also they show a real significant demand as you go out out the calendar, particularly to the third quarter. You think the third quarter is a long way away? Trading in July barrels for West Texas Intermediate, the first month that those trading for July barrels will become the first month, it will tr- that date is about May 20th. That's two and a half months away. That's right around the corner. So this is, this is looming. So for now, the big freeze appears to be manageable. 
It won't be manageable if that weekly report continues to show diesel output from refineries still well below historical averages. That number is very public, so it won't be a secret. And beyond that, the market will start to reflect any sort of squeeze well before that number comes out on Wednesdays. A tight market because of a slow rebound in refining will make itself evident. And we're going to move on now on drilling deep to our guest for the week. The IBM Institute for Business Value has just completed a report called Truck 2030. It's a pretty, pretty straightforward title. It's their contribution to the endless discussion of what trucks are going to look like in 2030. But this isn't just a discussion on autonomous vehicles and batteries versus hydrogen. It's more of a look at the digital, digitization or digitalization, I guess, of the entire experience including that of the driver, and what are the prospects for that? And I'm talking to Ben Stanley. He's the Automotive Research Leader for the IBM Institute for Business Value. And uh, Ben, thanks for joining us here on Drilling Deep. Thanks for having me. Okay, so talk a little bit about the IBM Institute and how it came to look at trucking. So the IBM Institute for Business Value, IBV, uh, is the business think tank inside uh, IBM. Uh, our purpose is to um, research industries, research uh, hot topics, research technology, and uh, write insights, uh, papers, studies, and so on uh, around what we find out from our primary research. And we, and we do that through surveying and interviewing uh, executives. Uh, my focus is automotive and aerospace and defense. Um, the Truck 2030 study is uh, a continuation. <clears throat> excuse me, a continuation of uh, kind of like a ten-year outlook we do every five years, uh, looking at what's going on in the automotive industry and then in the truck industry. Uh, so it just happened that this is the time uh, to do the truck one. Um, so we completed Auto 2030 a year and a half ago, and now Truck 2030 just came out. Okay, so so what what have we found different in this one than the last one? I mean, they, things are changing very rapidly. Uh, were you surprised at the pace? If, if you do these kind of studies, there isn't an industry out there in the world that isn't changing incredibly rapidly. How's the pace of change in trucking compared to some of these other areas you look at? Well, we find that the 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 truck executives who we surveyed uh, have a sense of urgency to and and when we're talking about digital. Uh, and that was the focus of the hypothesis of the study was uh, our companies really seeing the need to not just implement digital. You know, you can give people tablets and put in IoT and things like that, uh, but really reinvent their business based on that. And so when we talk about reinvention, we're talking about new experiences they can provide their customers in the truck business, whether it's fleet owners or drivers uh, or others. Uh, new focus for the enterprise itself in, in, in looking at how can it grow differently in the future with new business models and so on. Uh, new ways that it can work. So transform how it can work using uh, automation and, and data and intelligence to find uh, different ways to do things better. And then finally, the expertise that's required uh, for the people to be able to carry this all out. So uh, what we found with the truck study was that we asked the question, uh, explained what digital reinvention is, and said uh, we, we we surveyed thirteen hundred and twenty executives around the world, and we said, do you do you think you need to reinvent your company with digital technologies? And uh, over sixty percent of the executives said yes, they do. 
So we see even to the point that some companies are looking at uh, needing to maybe outsource some of their traditional business uh, like production or, or other things like that. So they can focus more on the digital uh, aspects of their company. I'm amazed that, you know, you say 60% said they did. I can't even conceive of somebody saying you don't need to these days. Well, you know, there, there are some companies that don't, you know, when we, when we looked at the data um, and we talked about competitive advantage and how you're going to excel in the future, you know, some companies might think, well, I just, I, I'm building more of a, you know, commodity or something like that. And I, I, maybe they just don't see the need to it, but I, but we think everybody has to be looking at uh, the impact that digital data analytics thing like that can have on their business because we think if they don't, uh, they may be left behind and may not survive in the future. You used a phrase in your report that I really don't think I've heard before. Uh, actually, two phrases. One is capacity as a service and truck as a service. You know, I found mm-hmm. that interesting because the freight waves are thrown our product is software as a service. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, as I said, I don't think those phrases, I, I don't think I'd encountered those phrases before. I was able to kind of take a guess on what they might mean. But can you expand on that? Sure. When we, when we look at how goods will move around in the future, um, you know, the traditional method is you have somebody who owns an asset, a truck. Uh, you fill that truck up. It goes somewhere. Uh, it's typically for, you know, a single uh, customer. But when we look at the future and we start looking at shared, just like in like an automotive, like in our personal mobility, we start looking at shared goods mobility. Uh, there's an opportunity by leveraging digital platforms where uh, customers can start looking for capacity uh, in, in fleets uh, based on destination, uh, based on the type of uh, product they're moving, uh, even to the point based on the capability of the driver. And so you can start matching these up, things up through digital platforms. Digital platforms bring together uh, business partners, people who are moving stuff and people who need stuff moved. Uh, and, and you can start buying space on, on, uh, in, in, a, in a trailer uh, to be moved from one point to another. And we really see this, this as-a-service type thing happening. The same thing with, uh, you know, with trucks. Uh, you have fleets sitting there as we're moving more and more towards automated and autonomous. Uh, you know, there's the opportunity to possibly even uh, leverage other people's assets, which might be trucks versus having to own the fleet yourself. I mean, when you look at, again, I, I relate back to the auto industry because we study both. Uh, you look at the Uber model, uh, you know, they don't own any any assets, but they own the platform and the platform's what connects people who have things and people who need things moved and they make those happen. All right. Now you, you talk about, I'm going to get rid of you a quote from your study because I think it's important to meet driver expectations. Trunk companies will, truck companies will likely need to deliver digital products and services that focus on vehicle usage and driver personalization. And, and the theme that comes through the report many times is just the need to be on the cutting edge of technology. If for no other reason and to retain your drivers, to attract your drivers, because if they're in a company that they think is falling behind the rest of the industry, that's going to they're going to suffer as a result of that. So it seems to me that the driver and the the satisfaction of the driver seems to be a constant message uh, through your report. 
Yes, the driver will continue to be an important asset, uh, you know, for some time. Even in our study, uh, executives predict uh, that the rollout of truly commercial autonomous will will be delayed, uh, and so you know we'll we'll continue to see the importance of of the driver. And you know, some of the things again when we think about the the cockpit that the driver's in, again, the ability to uh, to provide intelligence and data and create a very personalized experience uh, for the driver. So uh, they are connected to the rest of their life. You know, they, they, they can uh, connect with their devices. They can connect with their home. Uh, they have the automated driving capabilities and other capabilities to help uh, them move around. Uh, eventually, they'll have, you know, digital assistants in the truck that can talk to them, that can help them with routes or, or how, they're, how they're going, or even as we see the, the truck taking over more time, more of the driving time, uh, the, it frees the driver up to possibly do some other value-added things and take on different roles in the company. So, uh, so we see this experience and this connectivity and the ability to configure to the driver is very important. Uh, loyalty type of thing that will keep t- drivers with certain trucks or with certain fleets. You also talk about what you, you refer to it as a customized customer experience. Uh, I think every customer will probably think they're getting a customized experience, but how did you define that in your study? Well, for, you know, what we're looking at in the future, again, with the technologies is you really can create this very, singular customized experience for a customer. In other words, instead of it being a, you know, one, one mass service or capability that's delivered to fleet owners, for instance, uh, you can customize based on the types of things they're moving. I mean, we have very smart products coming out now, you know, smart, cra- smart freight, smart products, smart trailers, smart trucks. Uh, you have the ability to really configure uh, and provide the appropriate data, provide the appropriate insights about their shipments uh, to individual uh, uh, companies and customers uh, versus just blanket, uh, very vanilla type services and capabilities. You wrote something in here that I thought was sort of in conflict. Uh, maybe you can explain it. I'm sure you, I'm sure you have an explanation for this. Mm-hmm. But here's one sentence. Over the next 10 years, the global trucking industry is expected to grow at a modest 5% compound annual growth rate to reach a market value of $5 trillion. But then you said overall truck freight tonnage in the U.S. alone is expected to grow 21.4% to 14.2 billion tons between 2019 and 2030. I, I can't imagine that the U.S. would be that far off the growth rate of the rest of the world. How do those two numbers reconcile with each other? Well, you know, to be honest, those were pulled from different sources, so I probably don't have a good answer for it. Um, you know, the the need for, especially as we've gone through this this pandemic uh, time we've gone for, we've seen a very large increase in online shopping and and, and the movement of goods and services. So uh, I'd have to check the dates, but I'm. I'm, I'm thinking maybe the one for the U.S. was probably more recent than the, the one that I found for the global move, movement. Uh, but I expect, I expect around the world we're going to continue to see more and more increased movement of goods and services because people are transitioning to that. They're buying more online. Uh, there's the need to move more, uh, more 
products and services. And so I think we'll see that. Uh, but we didn't ask that. We didn't ask that particular thing in the study. This was just more of something that was referenced from other uh, from other sources. All right. With this huge transition ahead, is this a roadmap really for consolidation? Can smaller players stay in it? There's there's always a cost involved in uh, give me a significant cost in being kind of a true digital warrior going ahead, and maybe a smaller fleet can't keep up. Um, is this uh, is this the kind of situation where you're going to see a lot of smaller guys get gobbled up because uh, they they can't spend the money needed to to be compete with the big boys. Well, you know there there will be consolidation. I mean, in 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 any transformation or reinvention of an industry, there's consolidation. But but I but but with dig, digital technologies, you actually have more opportunities for some of the smaller people because again, when you have things like platform digital platforms where companies can link in, uh, you don't have to have uh, you know, huge amount of investment to participate in, in a platform. Uh, and with t- some of the things uh, such as cloud and artificial intelligence and things like that, uh, they can quickly get into connected into these platforms and into business uh, without having to implement, you know, tons of computers and things like that. So, uh, so there's actually an opportunity for uh, the smaller players who, can provide the service and can connect into the ecosystems that require it. Okay. You also talk about skills. There's interesting, interesting little fact in here. You said recent analysis shows the half-life of skills is now only five years. Mm-hmm. This means that the skills learned today are only half as valuable five years from now, and we don't even know what we don't know yet. And, you know, truck drivers are kind of viewed as an unskilled job, but it's not. I mean, it's actually a lot of skills involved to be to work efficiently, uh, to get the most out of your time on the road. Uh, this is this provides a whole new training challenge for trucking companies. Do you think they're up for it? Well, they told us in the study they were. Um, I mean, they understand that uh, there are skills. And, and again, this this half-life of skill is, is an important thing because, uh, uh, you know, you need to – it's not just a reskill once and you're ready for the next 10 years. It's a continual – Reskill and with the pace of change and the pace of technology, uh, we have to continue to uh, reskill. Not just because there's new technology, because there's new ways to do things and there's new insights and and new things to leverage. And as we continue to move forward, there's there's new jobs out there that haven't even been created yet that are gonna that are going to happen. And and we always underestimate when we es- when we, we estimate how fast things will change with technology, we always tend to underestimate it. Uh, because things can change very quickly. Uh, so companies need to um, stay on top of that. Now, you know, we, we, uh, when we asked about reskilling and asked about the skill gap, because there are some skills that uh, you'll want to have in-house, but there are other skills uh, that you'll leverage from other, other companies, whether you partner, whether you outsource, whether you buy a company. And, and uh, we even asked, you know, did they see a, a big truck company or an automotive company buy a digital giant just to acquire the skills? Uh, that's that's a possibility. So uh, so there's going to be a combination of ways. Uh, but it seems like there is a true opportunity for, um, you know, for drivers to continue to learn themselves, because, again, these these trucks are going to become very sophisticated and, and there are. Are, are going to really help the way they uh, 
uh, they're able to move around, but also maybe generate new opportunities that they can do uh, from the driver's seat in supporting the supply chain. You study, you study a lot of industries. Uh, how does mm-hmm. the pace of change in trucking compare to some of the other industries you look at? Or is everybody just racing along at light speed? You know, everybody's racing along. And, and the, the, the reason is uh, that we find is because digital technologies are allowing non-traditional companies to come into the ecosystems. Uh, and there's a lot of cross, cross opportunity between ecosystems. Uh, so, you know, in traditional industries, you had your traditional uh, structure. You had, you know, OEMs, you had suppliers, you had dealers, you had fleet owners, and so on. And, and you know, you had very manual processes. Well, now you have companies popping up in the in the logistics world that, again, they provide a platform. They can match up assets with uh, with goods and services, and they can facilitate moving things. Uh, and they don't have to own anything. So, uh, so there's there's this need within com- within the ecosystems now in industries to to move quickly uh, because there is a potential for them to lose a significant uh, amount of business. Um, you know, in the study itself, we saw a shift between traditional sales and aftermarket sales and into these new services, whether they're fleet services, whether they're other services like financing and so on. So uh, that's a possibility for these companies to lose, uh, you know, lose revenue if they don't enter these new markets. But there's a lot of these non-traditional companies also in these markets. So can we book you to come on Drilling Deep in 2030 and uh, you can see how well your predictions of truck 2030 uh, came true? Sure. Well, in five years, we'll be the next one. We do them every five years. So we, we, we tend to be able to see how things are going, you know, in the next five years. So and, and then have to make adjustments. Right, okay. Now, the name of the study is Truck 2030. And I guess you can find it through the website for the IBM Institute for Business Value. www.ibm.com slash IBV. Okay, very good. We'll take a look for Truck 2030. We want to thank thank Ben for for joining us today. Ben Stanley, uh, he's with the IBM Institute, talking about his report, Truck 2030. You've been listening to Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston. We are part of the FreightCast family of podcasts from FreightWaves. You can find us on all the major platforms for podcasts. We'll be back next week. Join us again.